chapter number one. Second Peter chapter number one. And verse five through to nine. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our lord jesus christ but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter number 4. We are reading verse 12 through to 16. I'm reading three uh, passages before we start. First Timothy 4, 12, it says that, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands by the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. The final passage I want us to look at is Second Corinthians chapter number 9 and verse number 8. And I want us to read that particular passage with everyone. So let's all read together. Ready, go. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have abundance for every good work. Oh, read it again. I want you to dis- read this. I want you to be louder than you were before. Ready, go. Amen. And God is able to make all grace, somebody say all grace, abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Hallelujah. We are, we've just entered the month of Charis, which is the month of grace. Amen. And um, today I want to talk about Grace to excel in ministry. Grace to excel in ministry. And um, we looked at the, the scripture that Apostle Peter wrote to the members of the church saying that for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith knowledge. Add to your knowledge, goodness to goodness, kindness, self-control, keep adding. 
For if these things be in you, it makes you productive. And those who don't have this particular uh, quest to add to what they have will become bound. They are blind and they would forget even their salvation. Hallelujah. And then Apostle Paul was uh, instructing a young Timothy in ministry, and he says that give yourself wholly to what you have been called to do so that your prophecy may appear to all. Are you with me? So that you can excel in ministry. And we, the, the um, last scripture we read, it says that God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may, be, may have abundance. Hallelujah. May become productive and progressive. Hallelujah. You know, one of the things that I want you to understand is that God has given us grace to excel. And he says that the grace is in everything. I am going to particular uh, zone in on ministry, but what I'm teaching today affects every aspect of our lives. Am I making sense? You can translate what I'm saying from ministry to your education, from education to your life, to, to your vo uh, vocation, your career. You can also take it to your marriage. You can take it to every aspect of your life. Hallelujah. That God has given you grace to excel in everything you are doing. Are you with me? And, um, oh, are you here? You are, you are not minding me, so it looks like. He says that God is able to direct grace. To direct means to deliberately zero in on a target. Am I making sense? Which means that grace is in the air. But if God should direct grace, it means that it has moved from the air to your specific location and your specific situation. Am I making sense? So in your marriage, God can direct grace into your marriage for you to become an excellent husband, excellent wife, excellent mother, excellent father, excellent child. Are you with me? In your workplace, God can direct grace to you for you to become an excellent uh, worker, an excellent employee, an excellent employer. God can direct grace for excellence in ministry. Hallelujah. You serve in the choir. God can give you the spirit of excellence in the choir. God can give you the spirit of excellence to be an excellent leader in whatever capacity, you're a captain of 10, captain of 20, captain of 50, whatever it is, God can give you grace to excel in that particular place. He can make you have so much grace so that you are bound in all sufficiency and you will not be found wanting in anything. Hallelujah. The word sufficiency in the Greek is A-U-T-A-R K-E-I-A. A-U-T-A-R. K-I. So K-E-I-A. Otakea. Which means complete and self-sufficient. 
God can make you have sufficiency in every area. Amen. Well, I said amen. amen. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, this is what Paul says about sufficiency. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Hallelujah. So in our capacity as ministers or propagators of the gospel of God or propagators of the word of God, God has directed us to be sufficient equipped enough to excel in that aspect. Amen. You are very quiet today. I don't know why. This means the ability to be excellent is available to you. Are you with me? The ability to be an excellent pastor is available to you. The ability to be an excellent worshiper is available to you. The ability to be an excellent Christian is available to you. The ability to become an excellent doctor is available to you. The ability to become an excellent father is available to you. Are you with me? To be an excellent wife is available to you. Now she's driving from the back seat. But that's okay. Hallelujah. But one thing I want you to know about excellence is that excellence starts from the mind. Excellence is not what you do. Excellence is not what you are told to do. Excellence is what you want to become. And excellence starts from the mind. To be an excellent minister in the house of God, it starts by you wanting to become. To become an excellent father, it starts from you wanting to become excellent. To become an excellent student, that is not a natural thing. Is something that you decide that you are going to become. A friend of mine, a friend of mine who went to my school, he's one of the best lawyers in the country that I come from. I mean, when you talk about lawyers, you want to pick the first three lawyers out of the country, he's going to be one of them. And this guy was being interviewed recently. And um, he, was, he was telling his story that in school, first four, three years, he was failing in class. He was not bothered. And uh, in my school, when you get to year, form three is what year? Year nine you write a special, they call it special maths. So to distinguish those who do science from those who do arts. And usually what they do is that the clever ones are pushed to do science 
and then the dumb ones are pushed to do arts, okay? And they grade them. So, like, M1 is for the sharp ones, the very sharp ones. M2 is the not so sharp, but M2 is not. Then M3 is those who just made signs by the skin of their teeth. So they are not so clever, but they are clever enough to be in science. Then you have A2, A1. That is the ones who are, who didn't make science, but they are not, they are average students. So they go to A1. Then we have A2, those who failed A1. Then we have A3, that is the dumbest of the dumbest that the school just wants to get. You know, there's an eight type of people. And in, 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 the, in the school, they, they, they are, they are only about 15 or 13 of them. So those are the classes that they don't assign teachers to. They don't assign lecturers to. Because, they, because they, they, they are not really there to learn. So no teacher will waste his time in 4A3. Okay, and this guy, this guy was in 4A3. Couldn't be bothered. I mean, he was always sleeping in, in school, in class. I mean, like, because those who are in 4A3, they are the wee smokers. They are the ones who sky from school. They are the ones who, and then, then you have him who just comes to sleep. So every, every class is a free period because there's no lecturer anyway. So one day, a teacher walks into the class. And this teacher was like the one that everybody was scared of in the whole school. I went to a boys' school, so it's a boys' school. And they, that guy is almost this size. His height was like that. He was like seven foot and it was like twice my size. So we used to call him double man. <laughs> and Dobo is like a huge guy. So he, you don't mess with him. You can mess with all the other teachers, but for Dobo, you just. And he teaches economics. So he says, Dobo came, and then Dobo started teaching economics. And like the guy was drawing some lines and everything. I looked at the line and said, what is this guy doing? He said, drawing graphs and drawing supply curve and demand curve. He's like, he just got up, he took his book and went to his, went to his dorm. And he was feeling sorry for himself because it was either he do economics, geography, history, and religious studies, and you do maths, which is composing English language. So that's six subjects. Most science students do seven subjects, eight subjects. But for arts, the eight, even if you can manage to find six subjects, you're okay. So he found five subjects. He wanted one on, to add to the five. He went to the economics class. It didn't work. Then somebody told him that, go to the history class. He said, he went to a history class. The woman was just lecturing, lecturing. He just, 
at the point he fell asleep. So he said he went to his room and decided that it, me, he was asking himself, me, what do I like? What do I excel in? And he's like, he told himself that I don't like school and I don't like learning. Then he just took a book, a novel, and he started reading the novel. So he read the novel. And within about an hour, he had read a novel this thick. And then he just realized that he couldn't put a book down. Then when he finished reading the novel, his mates came you know, back to the dorm, and he started telling them what he just read. Then the guys, ah, but you can't read. So what's your problem? Why don't you like he said, he decided, okay, I don't want to be classed as the lowest of the low in that class anymore. I want to be the highest of the high from that class. So one day he decided, he told himself that I'm going to be excellent. From that day, he started reading. When they wrote the um, GCSE, he was the highest. He got four... He got six ones. One is the highest. Nine is the lowest. He got six ones. So he was the junior scholar. He beat all the science students. Then he came back to sixth form. And this time he came to do history. And I think history, religious studies and something. He did five. Everybody does four subjects. He did five. And he was a senior scholar. He got A, a in all the five subjects from zero. And then university, first year, he started lecturing his mates. The, the, the lecturer would give him the notes, and he would lecture. Needless to say, he is the topmost lawyer now, as we speak. And this is from somewhere who was, somebody who was the lowest of the low. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? And it was just because he said, the only difference between my before and after was a decision that I want to be excellent. He said, I just decided that I'm not dumb. I just haven't put any effort. That is why I am here. But from now on to try. Are you getting what I'm saying? And, and it is very true in everything. You can be average because you want to be average. You can be excellent because you want to be excellent. It's all in, your, in between your ears. Hallelujah. Becoming wealthy and prosperous is a decision. Becoming poor is also a lack of decision. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. You see, what people don't understand is that when you decide not to decide, you have decided. Oh, I don't know whether you understood. When you decide not to decide, to decide about any decision that you need to decide, you have decided. Can I break it down? Can I break that thing down?
You see, a lot of people sleep through life. They, they, they sleep, they sleep, walk through life. You know, this particular guy I'm talking about, for the first three, four years in school, he was sleepwalking through the school. There was no effort. There was no, there was no coming to himself. Remember the story about the prodigal son. He came to himself. And the day he came to himself, his situation changed. A lot of people never come to themselves. Are you with me? To come to yourself is to come to a place where you decide that I am tired of being tired. It's to come to a place where you decide that I need, to, I need better than what I am getting. Most women who are battered, who are abused in relationships, will stay in an abusive relationship until they come to themselves. The day they decide that I am tired of this situation, immediately that they are, they, everything changes. Am I making sense? Until you make a decision to want better, you will never have better. Until you make a decision to get a better ministry, your ministry will remain as it is. A lot of people never ever are very complacent and very, very okay with where they are. Especially those who compare themselves with themselves. You know, when you are failing in a class, you will find your mates. When you are excelling, you will find mates who are excelling. It's like, oh, everybody failed. Even uh, uh, Bismarck failed. Even Tatiana failed. Even uh, uh, Watamelandra failed. You will find your association. Uh, uh, you get what I'm saying? But in the same class, people passed and did excellent. But for you, all the names you are mentioning are those who failed. Because if you want to look for association failures, you will find them. You want to find an association of failing churches. It's so easy to find. Oh, even that church, they are failing. Even that one. Even that one. Even that one. You see, it's COVID. See, I hate people who always have an excuse for everything they are doing wrong. I hate excuses so much. In fact, when I'm talking to anybody and they start giving me excuses, I switch off. Because to me, it's telling me that you are calling me stupid. I find that very offensive. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. I find excuse givers offensive. Because you are trying to give me a very logical reason why you are not doing well. You get what I'm saying? So I, I don't like, don't come and tell me problems. Don't come and tell me excuses. As soon as you do that, I just, you are not my friend anymore. Honestly, I'm being honest with you. You are not my friend anymore. Because I know there are problems. Life is about solving of problems. So don't come and complain about the problems. Because problems, you always have them. So giving an excuse and laying, relaying the problems, you are saying nothing. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. You are saying nothing. 
Somebody who is serious is somebody who overcomes problems. Somebody who overcomes challenges is somebody who is serious. Oh, the place has gone quiet and I haven't missed that. In the same class, people failed. That class that the guy, that guy was sitting, for the majority of the people failed. Because it's like they, 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 the world will put you in 4A3. And you also accept that I am a 4A3 person. So you decide not to try. As for the world, the world will always box you. It is your, it's your prerogative whether you want to stay in that box or to move out of that box. The world says that you are black, so you cannot go beyond this barrier. You can accept that I am black and I cannot go achieve. Or you can say that to hell with what everyone else thinks. I'm going to go past it. It's up to you. Hallelujah. Some time ago, a delegation of a church not far from here came to see me, came to my office because they heard that we were buying this property. So the delegation came, the pastor sent the delegation to my office and they came and said, oh, uh, Brother Pastor, we have been sent by our pastor to come and see you. So I gave them, offered them a chair and then they sat down and said, so what's the problem? So we have been told that you are buying a building. And then said that we have been here and we've been doing, uh, what do you call that thing? When appeal for funds, building fund. They've been doing fundraising for like the last five years to buy a building. And it's like they've gathered a, a, a little bit of money, but it's like the pastor is saying that they don't have any white man to front the purchase of the church. So they are coming to see me to see which white man fronted the, pay, uh, the purchase of the building so that we can, if I can introduce the white man to also front. I looked at them and said, oh, the white man is in my pocket. And they thought I was being funny. I said, Which, where do you think you are? If you have the money, that is the white man. You take the money to the bank, and you collect the building. He go home. So what are you talking about, white man? The white man is on the, the denomination where you take, you see a white woman there. That is the white person. It's in your pocket. You know, like, I, I'm not trying to be funny, but you see, Ministries have been there for years and they stay in a little box room and they are there for, and it's all a mindset that we accept our situation, we accept mediocrity, we accept that this is the best we can do, and then we stay, we sleepwalk, and we are always praying, God, 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 God. Meanwhile, He has made all grace so abound towards you. All grace is, is available to you. The only problem is that you need to take the grace and use the grace to excel. Am I making sense? 
All grace you need to become an excellent minister of the gospel is available to you. The next Tashakop is available if you want it. The next uh, Sinash is available if you want it. The grace is there. It is up to you. The challenge now is for you to take it and decide that I am going to use the grace. If you don't decide, the grace will never ever do anything. Are you with me? A lot of people are very, very categoric in the where they want to use the grace. They will use the grace in their vocation. But in ministry, the grace goes to sleep. They will use their grace to excel in bad things but not in good things. They will use their grace in things that don't bring edification and not use the grace to progress in progressive things. Are you getting what I'm saying? The grace is there. It is up to you to take the grace and make it work for you. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 9. Can you give me the New Century Version, if you have it? It says that the Lord, will, the Lord your God will make you successful in everything you do. The New King James says, the Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hands. But this one breaks it down. He will make you successful in all you do. He didn't say he may. He said what? He will. He will make you successful in all the things you do. You will have many children. Your cattle will have many calves. Your fields will produce many crops because the Lord will again be happy with you just as he was with your ancestors. Hallelujah. He will. It's a definite clause. He will make you. But you know that there are many successful failures. There are many people who are successful in failing. Because they decide they want to fail. See, becoming excellent is refusing to stay average. A lot of us, we like average too much. Average doesn't take any effort. Average is just doing just enough to get by. I hate people who just want to be average. Today should be better than yesterday. Am I making sense? In everything you do, your today should be better than yesterday, which means that you need to review yesterday and see what you got wrong so that you do better today. That is when you begin to make the grace of success and progression appear to you or abound towards you. 
I sang last Sunday and I bombed the song because I didn't rehearse properly. I didn't get my keys right. I didn't get my, uh, what do you call it? I was supposed to modulate. I couldn't modulate, so I bombed the song. Don't come next week and come and bomb the song again. That's a sleepwalker. Because your bombing didn't really affect you. You didn't think about it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? That is why you come today and also come and repeat the same. You went for an interview and you failed. Have you taken time to analyze what you did wrong? Have you found out what you were, where you were deficient? Have you taken time to, to sift through, I mean, line by line, line by line, to work through what you did that you could have done better? Because guarantee that your next uh, interview, you are going to bump it again. Because you, if you don't do your homework, you will do the same. How many understand what I'm saying? And then you find, as soon as you start failing, you find fellowship of failures to become friends with them. Have you not realized that people who are failing don't like successful people as their friends? As soon as people feel that you are progressing too quickly past them, they isolate themselves away from you. Because isolating themselves from you and finding their own niche makes them feel better. They don't feel exposed any longer. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah. Stop finding association failures. Challenge yourself with successful people. Because successful people will make you want to think. Successful people will make you want to do better. Successful people will challenge you to dot your I's and cross your T's. Am I making sense? Because if it says you'll be successful in all things, then you need to understand that it is what you should be thinking towards and working towards. That in whatever I do, I should be successful. In my schooling, I should be successful. In my career, I should be successful. In my ministry, I should be successful. So now, what does it take to become successful? Have you ever been to an estate, like a maze of an estate? There's always like a little signpost. Like you go to a hospital, one of the, any big hospitals, you see they have, and they say you are here. Have you seen that note? They have a little dot and says that you are here. And tells your maternity ward is there. Uh, what do you call it? Children's ward is here. Uh, gynae ward, uh, what do you call it? Orthopedic ward, whatever. All the wards. Are. So if you know where you are, you, need, you need now know that if I want to go to maternity ward, I need to walk this number of steps, take this 10, take the other 10, take the elevator, go to the third floor, take this, this corridor, move to the left. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah. But a lot of us, we roam through the hospital. Just in case we find the medical, the, the maternity ward. So in life, you are just roaming. Yeah, by chance, 
you'll be successful. You just bump into a success. Perhaps per adventure. How many understand what I'm saying? Per adventure, you bump into a man who marry you as you are working. If you accidentally marry, you marry an accidental husband. I don't know whether you understood. <laughs> Listen, life is about being deliberate. Everything, in every area, be deliberate. Be deliberate to be successful as a pastor. Be deliberate to be successful as a wife. Be deliberate to be successful as a minister. Stop giving excuses. Stop Fellowship with the failures. Because in the same industry, they are successful people. Why don't you look for them and challenge yourself with them? Hallelujah. I always make this statement that success is not an accident. You will never accidentally bump into the Olympic game final and then win the 100 meter by accident. By accident, you broke the record. You broke Usain Bolt's record. You, you went, you were just, they, you were just walking, and then somebody saw you say, oh, you, you look like, like you, somebody who can run. Then they took you to the Olympic Games, they said, stand on this line, on your mark, set, get set, go. Then it's just, before you realize, you had broken the world record. <laughs> Have you had something like that before? Something happened, and I just, you know, did the exam, and I, I realized that I had succeeded. No, it doesn't happen like that. Success is deliberate. Anybody who wants to be successful, plans to be successful, works towards being successful. Are you with me? They, they, they actually find successful people to. To mentor them. Are you with me? Usain Bolt had to find a very good coach who had been successful as an athlete to coach him. When Anthony Joshua went to box and they beat him, he said, my coach, I need a change. So he went for a more successful coach. Are you with me? You need to find somebody who is achieving to mentor you. Stop sleeping, sleepwalking in life. Don't sleep. Don't sleep. See, God believes in excellence. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth a as witness today against you, I have said before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose what? Life that both you and your descendants may live. Hallelujah. God is a God that believes in excellence. He wants you to excel. 
Amen. I like this scripture. Second Corinthians 8, verse 7, in the NLT says that since you excel in so many ways in your faith, in your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm. Okay, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, in your gifts, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Hallelujah. So in this little uh, passage here that we have read, I'm going to point seven things to you. Seven areas that we need to pay attention to in order to become successful in ministry or excel in ministry. Allow the grace to help you excel. Amen. Since you have excelled in many ways in your faith, number one, excelling in ministry, excelling in life, excelling in any endeavor depends on you excelling in faith. What is faith? Faith is something you haven't seen, but you believe that it is. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. You must have faith that you can do. You must have faith that you can achieve. You must have faith that you can excel. Because if you don't have faith, you will never ever achieve it. See, nobody is born a world record holder of 100 meters in the Olympic Games. Are you with me? But those who are training in the field, in somewhere in the islands, they have faith that one day they will stand on the Olympic game podium representing Jamaica. Are you with me? There are some countries, like the country I come from, nobody has that dream. Because, do you know why they don't have that dream? Not because they are not fast. Not because they cannot excel. But they have never seen any countryman excel in that area. So the faith in that area to excel is not there. Are you with me? When um, certain individuals, I'll give you examples of Nigeria. When certain individuals started like Mary Onyali, these are like old athletes, Mary Onyali got third in the Olympic Games. Uh, uh, what's her name? Blessing Okobari came to, I think, third or fourth in triple uh, long jump. So there's a, a girl, Amusa. She just broke the world hurdles head, record. Amusa. Nigerian. She's the world record holder in hurdles. Why? Because the older generation did something close. So it gave the younger ones faith that they can do. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. So if I have faith that I can do, then I can apply myself towards it to do it. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you want to be successful, look at what people have done successfully. And then use that to build your faith in that area. 
I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. You are extra quiet today. I don't know why. We are to be excellent in everything our hands find to do in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. He says that you should excel in so many ways. In every way you must be excellent. Hallelujah. Psalm 119 verse 96. The Amplified Version, if you have it. Psalm 119 verse 96. He says that I have seen that all human perfections has a limit, no matter how grand and perfect and noble your commandment is exceedingly broad and extends without limit into eternity. Hallelujah. He says that, but your commandment is exceedingly broad and extends without limits. The enemy always wants you to think about your current situation and then it tries to limit you in the box. But God's commandment exceeds limits. There is no limit to the amount of achievement that you can gender. Hallelujah. So our limitation is in our minds. How many know that all the pastors here today, one day will own their own church buildings? Would it, would, it be, would it be news? Not in this house. In another house, it will make radio. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? But not in this house. Why? Because we have faith in that area. It's just another announcement that we bought a building and that's it. We all clap and then forget about it. And you know where it comes from. I saw my father do that. I didn't see him from ministry, but I saw my father. He buys buildings that he hasn't even seen with his eyes. Yeah, oh, okay, buy it. And it's bought. Yeah, oh, oh, there's a, a sugar factory. Oh, it's good. Is it okay? You like it? Okay, let's buy it. And it's bought. He doesn't know where the sugar factory is. My father bought a salt factory. Up to today, nobody knows where it is. It's a whole factory. So, when it came to me, came to buying, it's not a big thing. You know, but anyone who has ever done anything close to building or buying will know that it's a difficult thing. It's one of the most difficult things anybody can do. Very stressful. Very, very, very stressful. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? But it's easy because you decide 
to overlook all the obstacles. That is how you become excellent. Don't allow the obstacles to be bigger than you. Become bigger than the obstacles. Have more faith than the obstacles that you are, that you are seeing. I don't like people say, oh, uh, pastor, when they said, oh, you know, we don't qualify because we have never been, you know, it's, it's like, oh, we haven't been in a country for all the years, so we don't qualify. Who told you that? It's just an obstacle. Anywhere you see an obstacle, there's a way around it. You can either dig underneath it, you can jump ahead of it, you can go around it, you can burrow a, a tunnel through it. Have you not seen people, uh, these engineers, they see a big mountain and then they put a hole through the mountain. Then they put a road. Then people are driving through it. Some of them, they will see and then they will put a road around the mountain. They see water. They say, okay, let's put a bridge. They see water. They say, no, let's dig a hole underneath the bridge. Whichever way, we don't allow the water to stop us from going. In other countries, they see the water, and that, that is where we stop. Then they say there's a God in the water. Don't go into that water on Fridays. Then nobody goes to that water. I'm showing sure you mediocrity. The water becomes our limit. In Dubai, they saw the water and said, no, we can put a land in this water. So they got sand from the desert and they came to put it on the water to drink all the water out. And then they put stones there and they created a, a land and they put hotels on it. And now people are going there. Are you with me? Don't become somebody that is overtaken by obstacles. Have more, bigger faith than the obstacles you are seeing. Hallelujah. Are you learning something? Number two. So number one is what? Number two, excel in everything. You see, excellence is a habit. Just as failure is a habit. Just as mediocrity is a habit. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. The, the, the Bible says in uh, James that a double-minded person is unstable in all his ways. Are you with me? When you're double-minded about life, you'll be double-minded about ministry. When you're double-minded about marriage, you'll be double-minded about your career. When you're double-minded about your career, you'll be double-minded about everything. Do you understand what I'm saying? Success is a habit. When you're successful in this area, you'll be successful in that area. When you're successful in that area, you'll be successful in that area because that is why you see like uh, successful footballers can transition to successful managers. They can transition to successful businessmen 
Why? Because they have learned the habit of succeeding. So you have people like, um, uh, what's the name? The, uh, the guy who used to coach Man, Man U. Uh, Ferguson. Ferguson was a coach for businesses. Was coaching businesses how to succeed. Noah is only a football coach. But he goes to corporate, you know, like all these big, big business, corporate world, and he goes to coach them. Because the formula is the same. He goes to Harvard to go and, to go and lecture. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. You see, uh, George Weir is a footballer he excelled in football, and now he's a president of a country. Because the principle, the principle is the same. Principle of success is the same. You are, you are successful as a doctor, you'll be successful because you, the application is the same. I, 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 or you're not understanding what I'm saying. It, the application is the same. A lot of people just don't want to know. Don't want to apply yourself. Don't want to exert energy. Stop sleeping through life. Some of us, we, exceed, we, exceed, we succeed here and we don't want to do anything else. We make a monument of our success in this area and that's it. And then we always talk about what we have done right. No, it's a principle. If you apply it correctly here, you should apply it correctly there, apply it correctly there, apply it correctly everywhere. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying? Never ever accept that this is the best I can do. Never accept that. Are you getting what I'm saying? No, there's always more you can do. There's always a better place. A more excellent place. That is why Peter was saying that add to your, add to your faith, add to the success more, so that you can become more productive. Keep adding, keep adding, keep adding. Learn to push the boundaries and push the goalpost. Never accept. How many of you, a few years ago, you were dreaming to be sitting where you are sitting? Give me a wave. So where you are now is success to you. It's an answered prayer. Where you are today is an answered prayer. You can make your bus stop here and build your bedroom here and stay here and retire here and build your tombstone right here. Or you can decide that there is much more in me than what I've done. But what I've done up to this point gives me the courage that I can do much more. So let me now move on to go and do better. Hallelujah. Let the world know that you lived once upon a time. You, you, you know those who like to write, I was here some. Stop writing on walls that you were here. <laughs> no, let the world not forget your name. There are some names we cannot forget. Bob Marley lived only 36 years. 
but his name can never be writ written off. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. But he was just a little guy somewhere. You can have your name written in the annals of history. Amen. Number three. Are you okay with me so far? Excel in your speech. Don't just think it to believe it inside of you. Learn how to say it. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, about a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil. Amen. Matthew chapter 12, verse 35. Sorry, 12, yeah, 12, 35. You can go up to 37. It says the same thing. Yeah. Words are very powerful. You, you see, one of the, the things you realize about successful people is that they said something before they became successful. Your speech propels you. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Your speech propels you. What you say is either going to push you forward or drag you back. Oh, I don't know whether you understand what, I'm, what I said. I think it's Mark 11, 24. Give me Mark 11, 24. No. Not, it's not Mark eleven twenty four, but it's, it's Mark eleven something. I'll look for it whilst I'm talking. Hallelujah. So what you say is very, very, very important. Amen. What you allow your mouth to say. Stop saying what everybody else is saying. It is hard. Things are tough. You don't understand. I cannot do it. See, that is why I don't like excuse givers. Because excuse givers talk themselves out of success. Oh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Excuse givers talk themselves out of success. I was looking for this scripture that says that if you don't doubt in your heart, you have whatever you say. Anyone that says to this mountain, be removed from this place and be planted in the in the sea and does not doubt in his heart will have what he says. It's Mark 11, some. 23. Okay, I said 24, isn't it? Yeah. He says, for surely I say unto you, whoever says, can you, let's count the number of says in, in this, in this little verse. For I say unto you, whoever says, to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart 
but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So there are four says. Do you understand what I'm saying? What you say is very important. What you confess is very important. There are some people, have you not realized that people from poor countries always say negative things about a country? And then the country gets poorer and poorer and poorer. Have you not realized? Because you see, what you say, you believe what you say more than what you think. I don't know whether you understood what I just said. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you say is what is in your heart. Oh, you've gone to sleep already. If you say that the subject is hard, the subject will be very hard for you and you'll never pass. Life is difficult. Life is difficult. Life is difficult. Life is difficult. Life will be difficult for you. It's not easy. It's not easy. It will never ever be easy. Never ever say that the subject is difficult ever again. Never ever say that, oh, this thing is too hard. Never ever say that this is too hard. Are you with me? Never ever say that in your life ever again. Successful people are successful because they say they want to succeed. Not because things are not tough. Not because difficulties and bumps in the road is never there. The bumps will always be there. But don't praise and worship the bumps. Failures always praise and worship the obstacle and the problems. Successful people praise God for success. It's a good place to cry, but you, didn't, you missed it. We like praising Satan more than we praise God. From today, check what you say from Monday through to Sunday. You realize that you praise Satan more than you praise God. Let the redeem of the Lord. Let the poor say. And let the weak say. The reality is that. There is no money in your pocket. That's the reality. But the truth is that you are rich. You know, let, let me take my time and explain that this bit to you. Very rich people sometimes don't have money in their pockets. But most of the time they don't have money in their pockets. Very, very wealthy people, most of the time, don't have money in their pocket. Sometimes they don't have money in their bank, but they are wealthy. Just as poor people don't have money in their pocket and don't have money in their bank. Oh, you didn't, you didn't get it. You, you don't get it? Not having money in your pocket is not the 
summary of your wealth or your poverty level. Mm, I don't know whether I'm, I've lost you. Have I lost you? No. The current situation is that you don't have the change in your pocket. But it doesn't make you poor. America owes more, more, much, much more trillions. In fact, most of the African countries, they are, they are, they are, what they owe, most companies owe even more than that. The total debt stock of a country like Ghana is like three billion. No, no, it's less than that. It's less than that. The last I checked. 300 billion dollars. They are trillionaires in the world. Colgate has more than 300 trillion. 300 billion. But when you go to the country, everybody's an economic, uh, what do you call it? Prof, uh, professor. Talking about how the economy is not working. Hundred billion compared to fifty trillion dollars. <laughs> I don't know whether you understand the difference, the disparity. <laughs> eh? I told you it's forty-five. It's less than fifty. Forty-five. Yes, because I, the last time I checked was about twenty something. Yes, it's less. It's about fifty billion. Yes, the national, the gross national debt is 50 billion. Less than 50 billion. I'm trying to tell you how poverty is a mindset. Are you understanding? Poverty is a mindset because America owes more than 50 trillion. But they don't call themselves poor. You owe just 50 billion. It's like somebody owing 50 pounds and they are crying that the whole world is finished. <laughs> Meanwhile, somebody owes 3 million and they are okay. Are <laughs> 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 you understanding? It's the level of thinking. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you think poor, you always be poor. Because you are thinking about 50 billion debt, you don't invest. You don't enlarge. You don't diversify. You don't. You, you understand what I'm saying? Because it's like, no, no, no. It will expand our debt. It's expand our debt. And now the opposition uses that to cripple everything you do. Because, hey, you're increasing the debt. Hey, you're increasing. If I were. Advising the economy in Ghana, as an economist, I would tell them borrow one billion, uh, borrow one trillion, yeah. borrow one trillion and expand the, the country. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? Because what made America rich is borrows. Are you with me? So you borrowed. You see, there is something called good debt and there's something called bad debt. 
Never borrow to buy a shoe or borrow to buy a car or borrow to buy a consumable. Do you understand? Never use your credit card to buy those consumables because that's not smart money management. You borrow money, there's called OPM, something called OPM, other people's money. You use other people's money to invest. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we wanted to buy this building, we had we used other people's money to buy this building. Then we pay them off. There's a way to pay off other people's money quicker than they want you to pay it off. Do you understand? Yeah. But always use other people's money. Smart business people use other people's money. So Elon Musk is now one of the richest people in the earth. Yeah, but the money used there is other people's money, OPM. The banks use OPM, other people's money, to trade. See all these uh, Shadrach and Co. It's all your money that they are gathering, they are making. They play Russian roulette with your monies. <laughs> Hallelujah. I think my time is up. Stand to your feet. Let's go. We'll continue next week. Have you been blessed?